Oh yes indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like if practice makes perfect and no one is perfect, then why practice? Hi America, hello world. My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you. To bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment, and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's event of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my panel of recidivists and retrobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming. I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. And we are completely live and unedited. What could possibly go wrong? So without any further ado, let us embrace the darkness. Let me start by introducing tonight's guest panel. Firstly, the mysterious and evanescent Heather Morris. She has been a paranormal investigator for many years, with her own team called Hellhound Paranormal, and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now the audio and EVP expert with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather realised this week that if electricity comes from electrons, then morality must come from morons. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Heather. Hello. How are you? I'm fabulous. I'm pleased to hear that. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim has spent all week wondering what Chi says when it has its picture taken. Welcome to the show, Kim. <laughs> Hello. How's that going? Any research you want to share with us at this stage? Uh, how much cheese did you eat last weekend? I did get through a very large bag, I have to say. We did an event last weekend at the Christie House in Long Prairie and... Uh, Lots of people came along and we made a large sum of money for the non-profit organisation that is the Christie Home Historical Society. And uh, we put on a bit of a spread for people. So when they came along, there was hot cider and there was things to eat. And uh, we bought a big tray of cheeses, which for some reason nobody touched. I really like cheese. I don't know. That would be the first thing 
that I would go for. So subsequently on the way home, it's a three, four hour journey. And I had a big bag of cheese next to me and I was bored, <laughs> sat in the car going up I-94. And uh, subsequently over those four hours, I did in fact go through about three pounds of cheese, which then had very dire consequences uh, at the other end. For every action, of course, there is an equal and opposite reaction. You had enough so, gas to get home then. Um, gas wasn't the issue, actually, <laughs> but uh, needless to say a shoehorn was used inappropriately. Um, that particular <laughs> evening. Finally, on tonight's show, thank you for bringing that up, Kim. I appreciate that in front of all our listeners. There is a, a message in there somewhere and a moral, but for the life of me, I can't find it. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC Outside Broadcast Department. He is also a producer and sound mixer. Greg caused a lot of commotion this week when he realised that despite being called a drive through he actually was required to stop. How are you, Greg? <laughs> I'm just fine. F- fabulous. Hitting well, any skunks lately, Greg? Yes, Greg did have an unfortunate incident <laughs> with a skunk this week, and uh, there's now one less, so uh, we have one less to worry about. We don't actually have skunks in Britain, so when I first arrived here, one of the things my mother asked me was, what does a skunk actually smell like? So I had the pleasure of describing that over the phone. So a uh, very interesting <laughs> conversation. My mum didn't want to know anything else, just what's a skunk smell like? And how cold is minus 40? So I had to describe that as well. But ultimately, I guess they Both. should come over that and experience for themselves. What's that? Both times you were describing, did you refer to like ex-girlfriends or anything? What, for minus 40 and uh, smelling, like, smelling a like a skunk? Yeah, a few, oh, a few names spring to mind. We shall move on because I don't want any lawsuits. We are on show 31. Can you believe that? This is a Halloween special, of Halloweenus. course. I know. Halloweenus to you. Fabulous. <laughs> Did you know that 31 is the dialing code for the Netherlands? So if you wanted to call um, maybe Hertz Van Rental or Van Gogh, then you're more than welcome to do so using the number 31. It'd be interesting calling Van Gogh, though, because if you put the phone to his wrong ear, he'd be like, what? Is there anyone there? Stop messing me around. Is anyone going to say anything? And then he put the phone down. So uh, he has to make sure that when he picks the phone up, of course, he has to put that to his left ear. I've done all this. I've worked this all out. You know, the one thing about Van Gogh cutting his ear off is how would he wear his sunglasses? Surely they'd then be at an angle, wouldn't they? You'd have to use like sticky tape or something or a staple gun, wouldn't you? These are things that keep me awake at night. It's like a friend of mine was in the Gulf War and lost his big toe. And uh, the first thing I could think of was, I'm really sad for you. You can't wear a flip-flop sandal ever again. And he hadn't even considered this. It made him very sad, so I had to apologise. So 31 is the Netherlands, if you wish to give them a call. And uh, depending on how you're Dutch is, of course, you could uh, have a nice long conversation. With Van Persie. You can certainly do that. He was a soccer player. He plays for Manchester United. Any more Dutch people you want to throw in there? Not really. You've exhausted your knowledge of Dutch people, haven't you? Yes, don't want to throw in Anne Frank or Rembrandt or... Dutch oh, potato chips. Dutch potato chips, fabulous. <laughs> and I'm sure they come from They're Holland. Old. Did you know that the Turkish word for self-abuse or uh, the art of onanism is actually 31 in Turkish? So if you say I'm going to go out for a 31 or I'll be 10 minutes, I'm just going to go for a 31. This is the God's honest truth. I'm going to uh, massacre this now because my Turkish isn't very good. Um, but the word is otuzubu. Uh, let me try that again. Otuzubir. It's O-T-U-Z-B-I-R. And that is the Turkish word for 31. But apparently that means 
self-abuse in uh, in Turkish. So uh, who knew? 31. I'm just going to go for a 31. I'll be back in 10 minutes. This is, of course, our Halloween special. And Halloween is a very interesting festival, of course, historically. Pagans, of course, had All Hallows' Eve and uh, the Autumn Equinox of Sarwan originally. And, of course, the Day of the Dead is on the 1st of November. Did you know Pope Gregory, in around 600 AD, actually wrote a letter to the Bishop of London and said, if we're going to get more Christians on board, because the problem the Roman Church, the Vatican, had in spreading Christianity throughout Europe is that Europe was very entrenched in paganism. So, ultimately, he wrote a letter. This document is available. It's, uh, you can see it, this letter, in the British Library. And uh, Pope Gregory in 600 AD says to the Bishop of London, we need to incorporate pagan festivals into the Christian calendar in order to, you know, bring more pagans into the Christian church. So ultimately, uh, what they did in Christian festivals is introduce Michaelmas, of course, and uh, the celebration of uh, John the Baptist Day. But of course, if you think about altars and you think about robes and candles and incense and all things that you would assume would be in the Christian and Catholic Church, they were, of course, originally all pagans. So a very interesting festival. And uh, it's not something we celebrate too much in Britain, even though it originated in the Angles and in Britain back in the day. It's something that has an Americanism about it. I get the impression that there was two farmers sat. Greg, you can, you can join me on this. There was two farmers sat having a chat. Back in the 1940s, 1950s, they're sat there in the field. They've got a thousand acres of pumpkins, as far as the eye can see, which don't really taste of anything, aren't that great, you know. And they're wondering how they're going to sell them all. So one farmer says to the other one, I know, if we hollow them out and make a face on them, we can sell them to people and they don't even eat them. They throw it away. And uh, this has got to be the most incredible commercial success between two farmers owning the world's biggest pumpkin plots. Um, known to man is my, is my understanding of things. These are these. This is how this comes around, I believe. In Scotland, they used to carve <laughs> turnips. They carve turnips. Have you ever been near a pumpkin field? Have you ever grown pumpkins commercially, Greg? Not commercially, no. Not commercially. Something to look forward to in the future, no doubt. And of course, Minnesota, where we recalled from, is the home of Charlie Brown and Peanuts and the great pumpkins. So all very topical and very geographical. So we're going to start tonight's show, as always, with our round of ghosts and hauntings. So, Heather, this point's to be had. What have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? Man dies in haunted house, mistaken for prop, for almost two weeks. So he, <laughs> he dies. Wow. Yeah, I had a similar effect when I went into an all-girls school, actually. Um <laughs> He thought, I, I find this remarkable, so he actually died, and they thought he was a prop. Yeah. And how did they find out after two weeks? Did it start to smell, or well, did bits start I'll falling off, or am I preempting your story? psychic. I'm too enthusiastic, that's my I trouble. Know, and I've had a lot, of, a lot of pop, yeah, this yeah. is true. Halloween in Waukegan, Illinois, is anticipated by the entire town. Anticipated. Anticipated. That's, is that Latin? <laughs> yes. Fabulous. I didn't know you knew Latin. <laughs> Litton. <laughs> <laughs> the good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away. Um, every October for the past eight years, the Graham family has unveiled their haunted house to the neighborhood with the event drawing thousands of visitors throughout the season. We noticed something was off, said Hank Graham, owner of the Wicked Waukegan Haunted House. That's difficult to say. I'll let, do that again quickly. Wicked Waukegan. Where? I can't do it. Wicked Waukegan. <laughs> you were lucky on the first shot. Come do, on. Do one more. Go on, please. One more. Wicked Waukegan Haunted House. 
Yeah, fabulous. You're welcome. There's no points to be had. I just wanted what? to hear you say it again. <laughs> the tickets came up one short when we counted out the receipts at the end of the day. <laughs> at least they counted them in. <laughs> that was the first or the second night of the attraction at the beginning of this month, so they couldn't quite narrow that down, but... Uh, the mystery of the incorrect ticket count was solved late last week when a six-year-old visitor told his parents he was very frightened of the old dead stinky man on the second <laughs> level. <laughs> what old dead stinky man? That's not part of the tour. Uh, that same evening, 31-year-old Susan Johnston screamed in terror as her children, who she was accompanying throughout the haunt, accidentally bumped into what they thought was a prop dummy. And all his just... skin fell off and his eye plopped out. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Um, but it was actually a dead body. I told them to be careful as we went through. Don't but, touch anything, kids. <laughs> but my little Grace, I think she touched him, and it, and then she knocked him over. And he exploded. And his arm literally ripped out of oh. his body. <laughs> you know when you've cooked a chicken for a really long time, and you just have to take the leg off, and it comes away? That's what I'm imagining. Blood and other bodily fluids oh. got all over Grace's jacket. Well, that'll teach. I bet she doesn't touch hair. anything anymore. <laughs> Do you remember that time I told you not to touch anything in and the Halloween then house? My son Ricky got some sort of slime all over oh. his hand. <laughs> they were both terrified. It smelled so bad when we first walked in, but we thought it was all just part of the attraction. Was it a dead body or just a really good cheese? <laughs> both of my children vomited right there oh. on the floor. <laughs> Can you imagine being the next person coming in and there's two kids vomiting and a dead person with an arm hanging off and you're thinking, wow, this is the best $5 I've ever spent. According to police, a 71-year-old man whose identity has not been released pending notification to the family had leaned up against a corner of the building after climbing the stairs on the second floor and he had apparently passed away. I wonder if you could claim wages. He worked there for two weeks. Where's his money? I'd want to claim that. Nathan, you're an attorney. If I if I was his son and I said he's been working there for two weeks in your house, I want some wages, you know? How would that be? I would say workman's comp. Yeah, absolutely. That's a terrible story. You're welcome. This was the Halloween special and that has horror and shock and awe. And it and was gore. interesting and it was and it was funny. So uh, you shall have a massive point. I shall give you two. Oh, <sighs> I have a story here that says terrified mum Capture snap of evil black-eyed ghost on family day out. A mum was left horrified after looking through family snaps of a day out and seeing the figure of a black-eyed ghost child watching over her children. Terrified mum of three, Michelle Mason, 39, from Stoke-on-Trent, Staffordshire, England, was shocked to discover the terrifying image of a ghostly child standing just yards away from her two children whilst on a family outing to Cannock Chase, Staffordshire. Canuck Chase does have a uh, paranormal history, actually. I've read in the past tales of uh, Bigfoot and uh, strange hominids running through the woods, and they think there might be a colony of Bigfoots hanging out there. But it's such a small area. It's about the size of, you know, Central Park in New York. So I find it bizarre, you know, that ultimately uh, a Bigfoot could be running around in an area that small without anyone actually seeing it. And what do they eat? If they reside in an area that small, what are they eating? There must be more than one of them. There must be a colony, mustn't there? But I do remember reading stories of people, you know, having... Uh, I see Greg's been to the Taco Bell before we came in. <laughs> the freakish image clearly shows a ghostly figure of a Victorian child standing to the left of a tree where Michelle's children, Sophia and Lee, were climbing. Michelle said we were on a family walk one afternoon and the kids decided to climb a tree. 
I stopped to take a photo, but it wasn't until I got home that I spotted a child's face looking back at me. I couldn't believe it when I looked closer at the picture and there was a child, standing with a wheel or a hoop in their hand. It has really freaked me out. I don't like anything like that, she said. When you look closely at the photo, you can see the deep, dark eyes. It definitely bears a striking resemblance to the black-eyed child that has been spotted around Canuck Chase. I don't think it looks evil, though, or it looks like it wants to cause any harm to my children. They were both a bit spooked by this at first, but any child would be. The terrifying plague of black-eyed ghost children have been reportedly spotted up and down the country, including Liverpool, South Wales, and most frequently Cannock Chase in the Midlands, where is where Michelle's haunting snap was taken. Michelle, a full-time carer, said, Some people have said that I must have used Photoshop, but I couldn't tell you the first thing about that. I have no idea how to use anything like that. I just took the photo on our family compact camera. But it is most likely just people who are sceptical or don't believe in the afterlife. That is always the first thing they say. There has been a plague of apparently black-eyed children running through Britain at the moment. Every week in the newspapers, when I read them online, I'm seeing people that are writing in saying, I've seen ghostly black-eyed children. So I don't know why that should suddenly be prevalent. It's almost psychological that you mention one case of that. And then suddenly everyone else then sees them as well, I guess. But I saw this photograph. If people wish to see the photos and the stories from tonight's show, you are welcome to go to our Facebook site, which is More Questions and Adrian. Uh, more questions, more than questions Adrian. than Adrian. There are indeed more questions and answers <laughs> with Adrian Lee on our Facebook site. We have four and a half. You're laughing. You shall have minus one. What? You are now on one. The good Lord giveth and the good Lord taketh away, as we already know. It was very interesting that uh, you can actually see this photograph. You can see a ghostly image of a child's face just coming in on the right-hand side like a mist. So if you want to see that, you can go to More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook and everything is there. You can also now follow us on Twitter as well, of course. If you go to our Twitter site, which is Adrian underscore Lee underscore Tips, which is T-I-P-S, you can follow us on there as well. And we have 15 thousand followers on there at the moment so thank you everybody who's taking part in that and following the show and contributing to more questions and answers kim what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings three thousand year old ancient egyptian sarcophagus that once held a mummy is discovered in living room of an sx pensioner wow i was born in it (laughs) (laughs) what was that was that your sound effects (laughs) wow I thought someone was choking. I was about to do the Heimlich manoeuvre. I almost got out of my seat there. I was about to grab Kim round the waist. Seriously. Unbelievable. There we go. Don't over-egg it now. We've been, you know. I was genuinely scared. I'm like, what was that? I know. I saw his face, yes. We've been reading ghost stories. Wow. I thought you got That's something awesome. lodged. Yeah, this is where we are. It's the hind lick manoeuvre where you get down and lick them and, and it, no, well, I no. just, no. Where's the bell? It's too early in the evening for that kind of shenanigans. That's a minus for you, I think. I don't, I don't think so. I'm in charge of scoring. How's that a minus? <laughs> This is an autonomous dictatorship. At what point did you think there was a democracy running? So there's a mummy being found. What I was going to go on to say um, before I was rudely interrupted by I thought what was somebody actually choking in the room. (laughs) Um, That had been the first time live on air that you'd have heard a a Heimlich manoeuvre performed on the radio, I suspect. But uh, 
Yeah, we'll perhaps, work on that for next year. We'll work year. on that for next year. We'll, we'll put some candy in the middle of the room and uh, see if people can actually chew on them <laughs> without choking. I was born in Essex. Essex, of course, is short for East Saxons. So uh, I'm very interested. I actually might know where this is. I was born in uh, where the crossover between the county of Essex and East London actually are. So uh, very interesting. Uh, auctioneers discovered the wooden artifact during a routine valuation of items in the house in Essex owned by a woman who had recently moved into a nursing home. But they didn't expect to come across the six-foot-tall sarcophagus, which had carved hieroglyphics inside of it. Six foot? Yep. Doesn't that take up... I mean, I'm under the impression she's got quite a small living room. If this is Essex, the houses are quite small because the space is very limited and uh, the population of Britain is around 60 million, and it's like five times smaller than France for the same population number. So ultimately, space is very limited. How, how do you manage, you know, when you go into the house, is it like, I'll take a seat, and mind the six-foot-high Egyptian sarcophagus is just sitting That's down. That's where I store all my movies. Would you like a cup of tea? <laughs> you store, you're, you're using it as a DVD holder, are you? I can actually picture that. I'm sure somewhere in the world there is a sarcophagus that is being used to store CDs and DVDs <laughs> as we speak. Wow. Yeah, I'd use it as a coffee table, wouldn't you? Just, you know, It'd roll off. It's round on top. You can't do that. Is that right? I don't know. I'd have to do some research, I guess. You could prise it open and then put a piece of glass on top, couldn't you? <laughs> Just sit there with your biscuits and your cup of tea and, you know. Watch a couple of episodes of Coronation Street. Fabulous. <laughs> so they had to step over this, I'm assuming. Was yeah. anything inside uh, it? It was standing up straight in the right. living room. Nothing inside of it. The mummy itself was actually missing. <laughs> it had gone for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is thought to have once housed a noble woman. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, Mark Stacy, the expert from, expert from Riemann Dancy Auctioneers, discovered the sarcophagus sarcophagus said the hairs went up on the back of my neck when i walked into the drawing room it stood out like a sore thumb you know get away <laughs> next to the television and the record player unbelievable i like the way the mummy's just mysteriously gone and no one's paying any attention it's stumbling around the streets as we speak you know doing its weekly lost shot its home lost its home if you'd have actually tied a bit of the bandage to the sarcophagus and then gone to the shops you could have found your way back couldn't you like hansel and gretel but it would be very embarrassing if you'd have got to the end of your bandages because you'd be standing in the high street naked at that point, wouldn't you? Maybe they were just lacking toilet paper. This is also true. The embalming process isn't kind to men, is what I'm saying. So if you were, <laughs> if you were in the high street, do you know what I'm saying? Like a twig and berries all shriveled up. It wouldn't be a best thing, would it? I, I just find that remarkable. How much is that worth? £3,000? Oh, let me get to that. Wow. Uh, 12,000 lira. 12,000 lira? Lira. Or uh, they're expecting to get 6000 for it at auction. £6,000 or dollars? Lira. Lira? Mm -hmm. So what? Lira? I'm not sure what the conversion on that is. Why would they? Lira's a dead currency. The euro took over. Where was Lira? That was Italy, wasn't it? Let me have a look at your script there. Maybe Kim. I'm reading I'm... it wrong. No, I, I, uh, let me ha where, where is that? At the bottom. On the back would be what they're expecting. Wow. Yeah, it says 6,000. That's dollars, uh, pounds. pounds. I've been in this okay. country for far too long. That's a wrong. pound sign. <laughs> okay. 6,000 pounds is um, the equivalent of about ten, nine thousand dollars $9,000. But that's a vast sum of money if you haven't actually, uh, you didn't actually know that was worth anything. It doesn't state where that actually came from, does it? It doesn't say, oh, I bought it at a flea market or it came with a house or. I wonder, no, how does one, yeah, how does one come across? Yeah, how does yeah. one come across? 
you know, an Egyptian sarcophagus from 3,000 years ago. And, you know, I wondered how that got there. One of the things the article says is the uh, Egyptian officials tried to block the sale, suggesting it had been illegally removed from Egypt. Yeah, I just picked it up in my pocket when I was in Cairo (laughs) and no one searched me when I got on the plane. (laughs) (sighs) Good times. That had shock and awe value. Of course, it was very interesting and parts of that were funny. So you shall have a resplendent three. We're going back to Britain. All this seems to be happening... (laughs) Well, that's reasonable. I got gore and everything. Yeah, well, you got given two and then you lost one for being <laughs> lippy, if you remember. <laughs> this is how it, we can go back and listen to the recording at some point, but I'm, I'm sure you must have been lippy to have lost a point. It's all to play for. We've got the whole show to go. We're only in the round of ghosts and hauntings. You have everything to play for, so don't be too perturbed. You can, in fact, snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. We're back in Britain again. I've got a story here that says, Has this ghost been busted? Owner of a store where cabinets smash and pictures fall off walls think the spirits of a local tramp is doing the damage. When a glass door in an empty locked room shattered spontaneously and a painting mysteriously fell from a wall, workers at an antique store were left mystified and terrified. Children who saw the ghostly happenings ran away screaming and workers trawled through security footage for an explanation of what was happening to find out more. But now the ghost behind the mysterious activity may have been rumbled as a specialist team of ghost hunters found that a tramp who used to hang around an abandoned cemetery that the shop has now been built on could be haunting the shop and be responsible for the damage. That's what you want to hear, isn't it? That your property was built on a graveyard. What could possibly go wrong with that? You'd be fine, of course, as long as you didn't decide to dig out a swimming pool. Danny Parker, the owner of Barnsley Antique Store, called in GCUK, Paranormal Ghost Hunters, to a host of vigil and investigate the unexplained goings-on. Experts found that spirits seem to be connected to the antiques. They also believe a tramp whose presence was felt in the antique shop could be responsible. I've smelt the presence of a tramp before, but I've never felt the presence of a tramp. (laughs) The man who used to hang around in a graveyard that was situated where the store now is. Jenny Bryant, founder of GC UK, said, There used to be a church there, I'm told, and he used to hang around watching what was going on. We had a medium with us who told us about him, but don't know what his name was. But we don't think he was nasty, he was just particularly nosy. She did, however, seem to think he was quite happy about the shop being turned into an antique store and so was just trying to make that known. Mr Parker, 42, said, I never really believed in ghostly things, but I can't find any other explanation for what has been happening. It is true that you get a lot of paranormal activity in antique shops. I don't know if you've experienced that yourself. But uh, the first time I went to Stillwater which is uh, in Minnesota there on the west-hand side, uh, east east end side, in actual fact, of Minnesota, is a big main street just full of antique shops, one after the other. And it's quite the experience as a psychic to walk into some of these antique shops and be surrounded from floor to ceiling with these antiquities. And some of them have attachments to them. If grandmother sat in her chair for the last 30 years of her life watching Deal or No Deal, you know, you can imagine that after she's passed and the antique shop now has that chair sat in their store that ultimately grandmother still has an attachment or is still residing in that chair. And there's been occasions when I've gone into antique shops, felt an extensive energy, walked around the shop to where I thought the energy was coming from. And I picked up on one occasion in Stillwater, 
uh, an antique cigar box, and the box was just buzzing. It was moving around in my hand, almost like it was full of bees or wasps. So that was quite a remarkable um, thing to happen. But of course, antique shops are full of attachments, full of spirits, so it comes as no surprise that they have a tramp residing there, unfortunately. I'm sure if they lured him out with... Uh, the promise of wine, perhaps, or uh, alcoholic spirits, then he will remove himself from that location, which brings us to the end of that round. I'm on three, Kim's on three, Greg is yet to score, and Heather is on one point. We shall move on to the round that is cryptozoology and aliens. It is green beasties and hairy monsters and things. <laughs> What's wrong with that? Hairy monsters, green beasties, am I reminding you of your honeymoon? Why are you laughing? <laughs> Wow. What a night that was. Fabulous. Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen. God. She got a double whopper that night. Yes, indeed. Where are we going on our little tour of... Oh, you've got a Wookiee, haven't you? He's not working very well. Hit him harder. You've broken it. Oh, Oh, no. You've broken the Wookiee. Greg, you're going to have to do the Wookiee noise. (laughs) Fabulous. Has Star Wars managed this many years without you? Unbelievable. I didn't do the last part. These were not the droids we're looking for. Chewbacca stops Mr. Incredible versus Batgirl fight. Wow. Great, huh? I'd like to have seen that. Is it on YouTube? I think it might be, actually. A furious Mr. Incredible gets in a tussle with Batgirl. Who's Mr. Incredible before we get going? He's a Disney character, I believe. Oh, The Incredibles. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm, I know where you are. Uh, yeah. So Chewbacca, Freddy Krueger, and Waldo get stuck in while Elsa looks on. That's some fight, isn't it? Oh, can you imagine? I think my money's on <laughs> Chewie, actually. I think yeah, of all of those. No, he was like the bouncer. He kept him apart. He it, was a hairy bouncer. He was the hairy bouncer. And that he reminds was me of a few Mr. women Incredible I've dated. Girl apart. <laughs> I see where you are. Yeah. I've seen some hairy bouncers. <laughs> if you ever go to France, you'll see many of them. Uh, Chewbacca and Freddy Krueger help break up a brawl between Mr. Incredible and Batgirl as the superhero heroes. Super tra- heroes. Yes, the super ear I've holes. I've got super <laughs> Traded blows on Hollywood's Walk of Fame. Oh, no. Waldo from Where's Waldo series of children's books. They also found him, joined. didn't they? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the first also- time he's been seen in 25 years. And it's a fight. He also joined the attempts to separate the pair as the scuffle broke out in front of the TLC Chinese Theater. That's a. I've got to say before you go on that that is one of the worst places I've ever, ever. visited in my life. It was like someone had opened up the very gates to Sodom and Gomorrah and pushed me through. <laughs> Do you know, it took me absolutely no time at all to find hard drug and prostitutes. I mean, literally <laughs> seconds. How I never got out of there without being shanked or knife is a mystery to me. But uh, if anyone's ever thinking of going there, then I would avoid Don't. that. Yes, I'd rather sit on the outskirts of Israel. I'd rather walk through Turkey-occupied Crete with a, with a, with a Greece T-shirt on than having to go through that again, and that's saying something. As shock tourists look on, Freddy Krueger can be seen trying to calm the situation as Chewbacca tries to hold back Mr. Incredible. But Batgirl then scratches Mr. Incredible, apparently overcoming his famously heightened resistance to harm, enraging the red-suited character. At what point is this going to jump into... UFOs and cryptozoology. It's Chewbacca. Oh, you've got Chewbacca, I see. That's very tenuous, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Having trouble finding stories this week, are we? It's the Halloween special. It is the Halloween Uh special, yes. And this is neither Halloween nor special. (laughs) 
presumably using his superhuman strength, he manages to break loose from Waldo's grip and launch a fresh, a fresh attack back on Batgirl. In the footage, it's captured, almost like we're there, isn't it? I can almost hear it. Captured uh, by passing uh, passing production company, he is seen throwing a punch and kicking the female DC Comics character before throwing her to the ground. What caused all this? No one knows. What on earth was that? That was a punch. Okay. See, there goes another one. That sounds like uh, the plumbing in my house. <laughs> Any moment now, there's going to be a gurgling sound and a huge jet of water is going to come out of the toilet. Uh, bystanders, no doubt, tired of watching the failed attempts of fictional burn child killers and Wookiees to stop the fracas, finally step in to help and bring the melee to a halt. So we know it was just a big fight between all the people that dress up and advertise the Hollywood They tours. don't actually... Um, in reading some of the story further, it's actually a bunch of people that go on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, dress up. It would be like you or whoever going there, dress up as their famous characters. And then as people walk by, people are supposed to pay them to take the picture with them oh. on. So I don't know if it was like a turf war. <laughs> a turf war between, between Freddy Krueger, Chewbacca and Batgirl. And Mr. Incredible. <laughs> God almighty. So if you want that kind of entertainment, ladies and gentlemen, then obviously Los Angeles is the place to be. I would have taken my picture with Chewy. I love what? him. <laughs> yes, you do have a soft spot for Chewy, don't you? Which is rather worrying. Does <laughs> <laughs> concern me greatly. I just look at him and think, A, he must smell a lot, and B, I wonder if he's got a flea comb. This is where I am. <laughs> These are the two things that spring to mind for me. And he'd also that he'd make a fabulous rug, of course. I bet he'd be very warm on a long Minnesotan he night. Nice to him. There we go, laid out in front of the fire like a tiger skin rug. Yeah. No doubt. Kim, what have you got for us tonight in the rounds of cryptozoology and UFOs? And if it contains a UFO or cryptozoology, <laughs> I will actually give you points. Unseen infrared image of Loch Ness Monster. Excellent. Nessie. There's some points right there. Fabulous. You're on six. <laughs> to be revealed at Paranormal Festival. Leading paranormal investigator Jonathan Bright will travel from his home in Greece to Scotland to deliver his views on intriguing image he captured in late 2011 of a strange monster's head coming out of the waters of Loch Ness. The picture was published in 2013 and has since led to a great deal of discussions and analysis. Its impact on what is known about the legendary monster will be a key theme explored by Mr. Bright at Is Nessie Paranormal during the Paranormal Festival in Sterling in early November. As well as delivering or delving into the picture itself, the audience will be taken on a journey back into Loch Ness Monster folklore to discover similar views of new and past researchers in their effort to understand the Nessie phenomenon. Talks, screenings, and events at the festival will cover everything from UFOs to poltergeists, and guests can even take part in a special UFO visual at Bonnie Bridge. I find this remarkable that they say this is the first paranormal convention that's ever been held in Scotland. I can't believe that to be true. Scotland, of course, is the home of many ghost stories, and uh, wasn't there a tale by uh, Robbie Burns where he, he runs over a bridge to avoid a witch because witches can't go over you know, running water, and uh, the Scots have a huge tradition, of course, with their paganism and stories. And, of course, if you remember seeing The Wicker Man with Edward Woodward back in the early 70s there, you'll have an understanding of that. So I find that remarkable. But I have seen this picture, actually. It's a picture 
um, that's done on a full spectrum camera and you can see what looks like the head of a, of a plesiosaur, I guess, or a dinosaur kind of coming out of the water. But again, if our listeners wish to see that, they need to go to more questions and answers with Adrian Lee on Facebook and all of our stories from tonight are there for you to peruse in glorious Technicolor. I'm going to uh, keep on the aquatic theme, actually. It says, Giant squid filmed a sorting and squirting ink at a Greenpeace submarine. You'd have thought that giant squids would be fans of Greenpeace and their agenda. I've always been disappointed, actually, by a squid's lack of knowledge concerning current affairs. I mean, when did the last time you saw a squid reading a newspaper or watching the news? <laughs> However, it seems... Oh, I say, that was a, that was a submarine dive horn, wasn't it? <laughs> I bet that sound effect is called submarine dive horn, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Excellent points for me. Fabulous. Submarine <laughs> dive horn. <laughs> However, it seems this nightmare-induced beast of the deep decided to group the environmental activist with, their, with the rest of the gas-guzzling and ocean-dredging humanity. The squid is seen in this short clip flapping at the submarine with its flailing tentacles and squirting ink. I didn't even know Greenpeace had a submarine. Did anyone around this room know Greenpeace owned a submarine? No. No. Seems very high-tech, doesn't it? The Greenpeace submarine was attacked in the Bering Sea, a large expanse of water between the Alaskan and Russian coastline. Giant squids are thought to grow to lengths of 10 to 13 metres long and live deep underwater from approximately 300 to 1,000 metres under sea level. Play that sound again if you've got that for me. This is the sound. That's the, that's the dreaded sound you will hear if you're on board a submarine and uh, you're suddenly used uh, by a female squid that took a shine to you. Do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, that could cause you some serious... Imagine there's an amorous giant squid... Right, you're going along, minding your own business in a submarine, and then suddenly you hear this, or not, and then uh, you're in therapy for the next twelve years because she didn't write, she never ever calls. I mean, you know, it was just almost like it meant nothing to her. I mean, you know, she didn't even get you a card for Christmas. Apparently, they've not chosen a special day yet, but uh, there is a gift list available at Macy's if anybody's interested. Wow. Holy smokes. That ends our round of cryptozoology and hairy beasties. Greg is on three. I am on four. Heather's on one. And Kim <laughs> has raced into the lead on a resplendent six. Stay with me for more of the same after these short messages from our sponsors. The Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group meets bi-monthly to discuss all things paranormal. The group's primary focus is on the topic of UFOs, but they also delve into alien abductions, cryptozoology, Bigfoot, crop circles and ghosts. Come with an open mind and be prepared to discover the who, what, when, where, why and how of these phenomena. Meetings are from 7 to 9pm Central Time in the Banquet Room of the American Legion Club in Wake Park, Minnesota. For more information, visit their website, lapig.org. For people who believe that standing in a cold, dark basement in the middle of the night for hours on an end is perfectly normal. If you get a chance as well, they have a fabulous site on Facebook. So if you go to the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group on Facebook, you'll also see many stories this week of UFOs, cryptozoology, and fabulous events from around the world, all found from the news. So if you're interested in those things, do visit their website. It has many wondrous things on there. The Minnesota chapter of the Mutual UFO Network, MUFON, 
meets the second Saturday of every month at the New Brighton Community Centre, New Brighton, Minnesota. Meetings are from 2 to 5 p.m. Central and include investigation reports, open mic, book reviews, videos and guest speakers. Anyone with an interest in UFOs is welcome to attend. For anyone who's experienced a UFO sighting or knows somebody who has, this is the place to be. Meeting agendas, driving directions and tons of UFO information can be found at mnmufon.org. I'd also like to draw your attention to the fact that we're doing many, many events over the next few weeks and next few months. We do uh, an event at the Chase on the Lake Resort, which is up in Walker, which is north of Bemidji in Minnesota. This will be our fifth year, so we'll have to take a cake with us and lots of candles. But that's from the 7th to the 9th of November. We're going to go up there, spend the whole weekend. It's a real hardship, isn't it, doing an investigation in one of the most haunted hotels in the whole of the Midwest, which also happens to be a five-star health resort and spa so it's one thing investigating ghosts at three in the morning but when you can then jump in the hot tub afterwards and get a massage then that is the place to be if you're interested in joining us that's a fabulous event we have hundreds and hundreds of people book rooms and go with us on investigations and join in our lectures then you're more than welcome to do that you can go chase on the lake.com and find all the information there or you can visit our website int paranormal Net. We also have an event at the St James Hotel in Red Wing for the same investigations and the same events. That's the 6th to the 8th of December if you want to go along to that. And that's a very haunted hotel as well. I love the fact that we're doing lots of events in haunted hotels all the way over the Midwest. This is, this is a joy in the Christmas period. Unless, of course, it's minus 40 and there's 10 feet of snow. But you're more than welcome to join us. And again, those events will be advertised on our website. If you wish to be one of the show's sponsors and hear your business or product advertised by the dulcet tones of an eccentric Englishman live on air, going out to the nation and beyond, please contact the show. I would love to hear from you. If it's paranormal and in the news, we are talking about it on more questions than answers. In the lyrics and the words of the reggae legend that is Johnny Nash, of course, there are indeed more questions than answers. And the more I find out, the less I know, which means I'm probably less intelligent than when the show started. If you've got a chance, by the way, Johnny Nash is a fabulous reggae singer back in the 60s and 70s. You may recall, if you're an aficionado of music, you may recall that Johnny Nash wrote the song I Can See Clearly Now, The Rain Has Gone. Or I Can See Deirdre Now, Lorraine Has Gone. Um, <laughs> but he also wrote a fabulous song called There Are More Questions Than Answers, which we can't use on the show for copyright reasons. But I shall guide you towards that if you're interested in that. It would just imagine the show with that originally, that music over the top of it, and that's where we would be. But I'm not willing to pay him vast sums of money, so that's not going to happen. I am your host, Adrian Lee, famous for being banned in Lithuania, for not being able to fool the work of Johnny Nash, for introducing the world to dirty hobo water, and sometimes the annoying inability to say... Abominable Snowman live on air. I'm getting better at that, aren't I? The more yes, I practice, are. the better I know. I you're going to have to stop it now. I know. There will be a point where I am able to say the annoying... I have the annoying ability. <laughs> I have the annoying ability to say Abominable Snowman live on air. Welcome back to the second part of tonight's show where points are slipping through Heather's fingers minute by minute. If you have just joined us, then where have you been? And she's got quite big fingers as well. What wow. could have been more important? Wow. If you have stayed with me, then let me raise your spirits further by saying that we still have 50% of the show left to abuse Heather. Hooray and a happy dance 
all the way around the bedroom. I've been handed a fresh cup of tea and the promise of cookies, and I have fresh flashlight batteries. And my mother has now thankfully stopped snoring from the room next door. So onwards we march. We're in the round, which is called bizarre and strange. This is the round where there's stories that are too fabulous not to read out, but don't fit any other category. Heather, you are on the least amount of points at the moment. So what have you got for me in the round of the bizarre? We're supposed to guess this is Beethoven's what? <laughs> da, 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 da. What was Beethoven's symphony? We had all the fireworks going off. The overture. Yes. Yeah. Someone jump in with some culture, please. <laughs> it's the 1812 overture. So thank you, Nathan. Yes. You sh- you're, you're not even on the show and you've got two points. <laughs> Believable. Thank you, Adrian. My pleasure. Your zombie proof log cabin has arrived. A zombie proof log cabin. Yes. It's teeth proof, is it? Gra- even grasshoppers nibbled at log cabins back in the day. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. There you go. 24. They weren't zombie grasshoppers. They were just normal grasshoppers. You don't know that. No, I can't say that for truth, actually. They may well have been zombie grasshoppers. Who knew? $24,000 zombie survival kit. Check. Ridiculously tricked out vehicle to mow down the undead. Check. A collection of books to prepare yourself for what's coming next. Check. What's missing? A A life? A girlfriend? (laughs) A job? A personal fortress to house it all. And today, my paranoid friends, is the day to knock that off your list. Allow me to introduce the Zombie Fortification Cabin, a.k.a. ZFC1. Or a a house with doors and locks, (laughs) as we call that in Britain. A three-compartment compound from Tiger Log Cabins that will allow you to safely ride out the end of the world in comfort. In the initial $113,000 package, you'll find all of the materials needed to impress your friends and worry your neighbors, including an upper deck with escape hatch, barbed wire, a garden section to grow food, toilet system, weight machines, kitchen with a microwave, a record player because zombies hate analog, and an Xbox with plasma TV. We call that a house in Britain. (laughs) (laughs) Additional options, you ask. A roof? They include solar panels for $5,600, security cameras for $3,000, and the satisfaction of watching someone else build and install the thing for $21,000. For an undisclosed price, water cannons, spotlights, and flamethrowers can also be installed. Are water cannons useful against the living dead? Are they Shoots them back or something, you know, makes them stumble blast backwards. Blast the flesh off their bones. Maybe that's it. Make a soup. <laughs> Put the body in a haunted house somewhere in Louisiana and pay kids to go and look at it. There you go. Uh, to counter any customer concerns that this whole thing is more about marketing and less about the realistic events from zombies... All ZFC1 cabins carry a 10-year anti-zombie guarantee, with one caveat. If there's a zombie apocalypse, would you then go and, if it didn't work, where could you get your money back? I don't know. Do you know what I mean? You're staggering into the offices with half the flesh hanging off your body, saying it never worked, I want my money back. (laughs) Don't push me. Adrian! Yeah, I see where we are. Uh, Please note... We require medical evidence of the presence of a real zombie should you wish to claim under the 10-year anti-zombie guarantee, the website states. In other words, don't bother saving your receipt. Yes, because you can't claim the money back if there's a zombie apocalypse. Highlight to me one part of that building 
that was actually anti-zombied. Flame flowers. Fla- flame, flame flowers. Flame flowers. <laughs> yes. Well, let's hope when those zombies come knocking at the door, we have some flam flowers. That would be incredibly useful. Some flamboyant some people. F- it's fabulous. Yes, if you mince around wearing wearing a cravat and a pink suit, you'll be fine. Liberace would have been all right, wouldn't he? Elton John's going to be safe. First zombie apocalypse, I'm round to Elton John's house, I tell you. It's terrible. I'm still standing. He'll be playing I'm Still Standing whilst everyone out there's being eaten. That's right. And then he'll play, I guess that's why we call it the blues when everyone's gone. There you go. Like Excellent. a zombie in the wind. Fabulous. Mm. Kim, what have you got for me in the round of the bizarre and strange? Jewelry that harvests energy from your veins. Ooh. Naomi Kisner, an industrial designer and graduate student from Hadassah College in Jerusalem, has designed jewelry that theoretically extracts energy from the wearer's own body. This is like a kinesthetic watch. I used to have a watch that you'd never have to wind up because as your wrist moved backwards and forwards as you were walking, it wound its way up. I, you wore I, it externally, though, right? Yeah, yeah. I overwound it and it broke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <sighs> it's true. This is the god's honest truth. I had a mood watch as well. Do you know those mood watches? These that are meant to change colour on the face depending on what mood you're on. Well, I had a little chart in the book that came with it and all of the different colours in it, and uh, I, I had all the colours. At some point in my life, every single colour I went through was on this watch. There was yellow for, you know, depressed, or there was there was green for, for you know, feeling happy, and there was blue if you was relaxed. And every, every you know, through the, for an average year of your life, you're going to experience different emotions and different feelings, and the, the colour of this watch changed. On one occasion, I was driving around the M25, which is the biggest ring road in the whole of Europe. It's a massive 170-mile you know, motorway around the whole of London. My car caught fire, so I'm, I'm on the hard shoulder. It was like an Escort Mark III or something, and there's flames billowing out from under the hood. I'm standing by the side of the road watching my car being engulfed with flames, and partly because the mechanic had installed a new alternator and left the lead over the manifold of the exhaust, so I, I then subsequently um, complained to him bitterly about the fact that he set my car alight. Um, but I looked at my watch to see what the time was, and it had gone black. And it was the only time in my life that the watch had gone black, and that was the moment my car was on fire. Do you know what I then did? I was actually driving to school because I was a teacher then, and I thought I'd better call my school and tell them I'm not going to be in today. So I'm standing by the side of the road. There's huge semis whizzing by, you know, at 90 miles an hour, and uh, I'm taking my life in my hands. My car is currently on fire, so I'm sat there, you know, with a stick and a wiener on the end, and. Ultimately, I rang the lady who dealt with absences for school teachers, and I called her up and said, I'm not going to be able to get in today. And she had a go at me. She said, I think this is really unprofessional. You need to find a way to get into school. And I'm like, what would you like me to do, hitchhike or walk? Which which one? I said, my car's on fire. So uh, pretty rough all round, really. But that was the only time my watch turned black. You have a story about kinesthetic jewellery, I believe. <laughs> Okay. There's one in there. Uh, the speculative jewelry is embedded into the person's veins oh. and uses their blood to turn small wheels inside the device. Is that like a JJ? Is that like a for dazzle? Is that, what? Is that where you put <laughs> jewelry? That's a I don't know all the intimacies. I don't know the ins and outs. It's not something I look into often. That's terrible. Where's the bell? 
It's been overworked. As Naomi notes, the jewelry is not meant to be a practical energy source, but a discussion piece about how far will we go to in order to feed our addiction in the world of declining resources. The project is called Energy Addicts and consists of three pieces of jewelry, the blinker, the, the e-pulse conductor, and the blood bridge. There's a blood bridge? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. On her website, she says, the work delves into a world in which there is a significant decline which forces humanity to seek all the more forcefully for alternative ways of cultivating power. The suggested solution to the dilemma is based on the idea of biological wealth harvesting energy directly from the body. There was the film Dune, wasn't it? Do you remember that? It was like a science fiction film that lasted like six and a half hours. Didn't do particularly well at the cinema. It had a sting in it, if you recall. But it was a series of books, science fiction books. And uh, on one of the planets, they lived on a sand planet, which didn't have any water. And I don't know if you recall, there were scenes where there were like giant worms going through the sand and so forth. Nathan's put his hand up. You should have more more points. I read those books. Is that, is that, who, who wrote them? Was it James Herbert? Can you oh, remember? I don't remember who wrote them. Yeah. The thing is that they had a special suit they used to wear that collected your sweat. That as you walked around, it would collect the moisture in your body and then recirculate it back into your body. And they, and harvested, the, they harvested the worms. They, uh, yes, they did, yes. Orange spice. Orange spice. It's all coming back to us. Yeah. We'll be talking about Logan's Run next. Who knew? But ultimately, yes, it did remind me of that when you started speaking about that because uh, I think they end up trying to kill one of their uh, one of their kind by ripping up his suit and pushing him out into the desert, if my memory serves me right. But that's the sort of film that you only stay awake and watch, you know, by gnawing your lower intestine or gripping a nail into the palm of your hand. So I didn't do particularly well at the cinema. I tried to jump on board the uh, Star Wars bandwagon, I believe. But there's points to be had, Kim. You shall have two more. And you are now on a runaway Eight. I have a story here that says United Arab Emirates man divorces wife possessed by a genie. A court in Dubai has granted a divorce to a man who says his wife is possessed by spirits and refuses to have sex with him. How many light bulbs have just gone on in every man's head in the whole of America? I bet from space you could see America glowing at the moment. So if you're not having <laughs> sex and your wife is possessed, then she may have a genie with her. After persistently denying him sex, a woman finally told her husband to discuss the issue with her parents. So, Mr and Mrs Smith, I bet you're wondering why I brought you here today. They told the man that his wife was in fact possessed by a jinn and that several religious scholars had unsuccessfully tried to exercise the spirit, the paper says. My ex-wife had a lot of trouble with gin, I might add. (laughs) Upon upon hearing this, the husband lodged a divorce case with the Dubai Sharia court. His lawyer told a hearing the woman and her family cheated my client. They should have been honest and clear about the fact that the wife was possessed by a gin. He was only told about the gin after the problem escalated. The woman does not deserve any allowance. In Arabic mythology, jinns or genies are spirits able to take human and animal forms to exercise supernatural influence over humans. The court awarded the husband the divorce, but asked him to pay around $11,000 in maintenance to his ex-wife. The Dubai Appeal Court later upheld the divorce but cancelled the alimony. It decided that the woman does not deserve it since she was not honest about the gin issue. The trouble with genies is once you uh, buff and rub the lamp and it all comes out, you can't actually get it back in, can you? So uh, that's that's how your brother was born. I have more stories in the round of the bizarre 
And strange, yes, it says rubber ducks can kill your sex drive, researchers find. Well, I guess it depends <laughs> what you do with them, doesn't it? Rubber ducks, shower curtains and fast food could be preventing women from becoming mothers because they contain chemicals which damage sex drive, a new study suggests. I can't believe hardly any women in America are eating fast food or using shower curtains, so I think we'll be fine. <laughs> women with the highest concentration of phthalates in their body, chemicals used to make plastics bendy, were far more likely to suffer low libido, researchers found. Those with the most chemicals in their system claimed that they frequently lost interest in sex, while those with low levels reported no problems. Phthalates disrupt hormones that are already known to affect sexual function in men, but it's the first time that the link has been made with women. So if you think of a rubber duck or a raincoat or a shower curtain being soft and flexible, it's likely it's thetes that give them the flexibility. I was asked actually by my local fitness centre if I was flexible and uh, I said I could only make it on Wednesday and Friday nights. Um, It recommends that women trying to get pregnant should avoid processed and fast food and contacts with any rubber ducks. We move to the end of the round that is the bizarre and the strange. That only leaves the final round. Greg is on three. I'm on four. Heather's still on one. Kim is on eight. Nathan, remarkably, is on three and isn't even contributing to the show. We now move into the round that is called Not For Your Mother. This is the round of the innuendo. This is the round of the 70s sexy music. This is the round where you need to remove any minors because these are the stories of the week that can't be told at any other time than at the end of the show. So you can't complain to us if you're easily offended because I've warned you and you should be in bed with a nice hot cup of tea. I'm still talking because I'm waiting for the music to disappear and it seems to be going on for a long time. There we are. Heather, would you like to start off for us tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Which is rather Mm. ironic, really, because your mother will listen to anything. (laughs) Paris's giant butt plug Christmas tree display is vandalized. No way. So nice and topical then over the (laughs) Halloween period. It just happened. It just happened. Yeah. So all year there's been a Christmas tree displaying no, butt plugs, <laughs> and now it's mysteriously disappeared over the it's Halloween not a period. Christmas tree with hanging butt plugs. That's what I was led to believe. No, it is a giant butt plug that looks like a, a Christmas, Christmas tree. tree. Fantastic. <laughs> Fun for all the family. Where can I get one? A butt plug? No, a Christmas tree for me grandmother. Give him your address. I'm sure you'll have a few next week. Can you imagine the postman delivering 4,000 butt plugs? In fact, you are the postman. Imagine wedging them. Has anyone ever wedged a butt plug into a mailbox? Has that ever happened? I just... Can you... When you've actually put it in there, can you flick the flag up? I mean, is that... Is that where we wow. are? Send it to the White House. There we go. What would happen, Kim, as an ex-postmaster, if I had a giant butt plug and I, <laughs> I licked a stamp and put it on and wrote an address on it? Would it get to where it needed to be? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it would. Would. Fabulous. Well, that's you would all... be asked if there was anything hazardous or if it contained any chemicals or anything like that, though, before you mailed it. Okay. Yeah, that's true. So as long as it was uh, hypoallergenically safe, then I'd be fine to post that to whoever I wanted for the Christmas period. Do you have a list? Strangely <laughs> enough. <laughs> 
I'm, half the people on that list wouldn't know what it was. They'd think it was some sort of pacifier, I'm sure. Paperweight. For big-mouthed babies. Oh, no. <laughs> so this is, a, this is a butt plug in the shape of a Christmas tree. Isn't this like barbed arrow? Wouldn't you have trouble then removing that after the event? I... Does it have a star on top? Is there no. like baubles hanging from no. it? No. Christmas crackers. It looks like a Small presents. Plug. Fairies. No. They, okay. they make one like Charlie Brown's. Charlie, but, Charlie Brown's butt plug? With the, emphasis, <laughs> with the emphasis on the word... Brown. Charlie. What? <laughs> What's wrong with you people? Minus one for Heather. You've got a nice big round zero. Wow. Uh, Could you just stare into that and, like, read someone's fortune? What? I'm going to take your butt plug out and then read your fortune. Isn't there a way of telling someone's fortune by looking at their bottom? No, that was scatamancy, and that was reading their... Reading their number twos. That's right. Okay. But can't you then look at the source of where the number two's coming from and say, uh, you know, you're going to meet a too dark stranger, go on a long journey and be lucky with money? Go on and try it. Okay. Well, I'm going to be at the Mankato Expo on the 16th and 17th of November. So if anyone wants to come along with some loose-fitting clothing, then I'm sure we'll make a spectacle of ourselves. And I shall read your fortune. (laughs) This is actually called, affectionately, Tree. Tree. The piece by U.S. artist Paul McCarthy was erected in Paris's <laughs> upmarket place Vendôme on Thursday as part of the FIAC International Art Festival, which begins next week. How big is this, by the way? Is it? It's about two or three stories. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Where are we going to find a big ass from? <laughs> I've got a few suggestions. <laughs> Everyone sat there with a with a name, but no one wanted to be sued. Well, if you know a big ass, then this is the present to get them for Christmas, obviously. The inflatable artwork is intended to represent a Christmas tree. Do you inflate it when it's up, or do you inflate it first? Who's blowing it? it? That's what I want to know. Well, it's going to be someone you want to know very well, isn't yeah. it? Uh, it has been causing an outrage among some due to its resemblance to an anal plug sex toy, prompting calls from city authorities to remove it. Remove the plug, sir. <laughs> oh, cheeky. <laughs> Feeling um, has been so strong that McCarthy, 69, has said he was slapped three times in the face by a passerby as the artwork was unveiled. If it, if it upsets the French... Then can no, you, th- yes. Yes, right. if it upsets the French, which are the, one of the most liberal races on the planet, then, then can you imagine if that was taken into a more conservative area? You know? Yes. If that um, was introduced, maybe, into, a, into an area of, of America, you know, somewhere. If that needs to be introduced, a butt plug needs to be introduced into the Deep South. Oh, <laughs> no, no. Some angry Paris residents now seem to have taken matters into their own hands, with photos posted on Twitter overnight Friday showing the installation lying on its side and looking limp and deflated after apparently being vandalized. French journalist Renald Pila tweeted that the FIAC took the decision to deflate the artwork after a number of saboteurs <laughs> cut the cords holding it up. So basically it could be flying over Paris. Yeah, what if it gets punctured on the, plug, a giant though. butt plug over Paris? We're going to get Green one. UFO reports, you know, this week. <laughs> it's going to get stuck on the top of the Eiffel Tower and then we're going to be in trouble. Someone's going to have to go up there and get it down. Well, uh, the piece will be reinflated. 
Uh, McCarthy has asserted the piece is indeed a Christmas tree, but admitted that he was partially inspired by the shape of a butt plug. Yes, nothing nothing dun, is dun, more inspiring dun. for Christmas tree designs. <laughs> That's what I think. When than... I see butt plug, I think Christmas. Yes. <laughs> have yourself a merry little Christmas. That's what Bing Crosby would have wanted. <laughs> Unbelievable. I have a man here who says, Man admits to having sex with over 700 cars. Edward Smith, a 63-year-old man from Yelm, Thurston County, Washington, told a live morning TV show that he'd made love to over 700 vehicles, including Mustangs, luxury Jaguars, and even an attack helicopter. He must have crept up on that one. Smith made the admission on the British family television show this morning, telling host Philip Schofield and Amanda Holden that he was a mechophile. Someone who is sexually attracted to machines and prefers making love to motors rather than women. Hope it's not a blender. Well, cars can't say no, to be fair, can they? (laughs) Women said, if it had gone with a blender, it had been Jewish very quickly. (laughs) Smith said he had sex with vehicles since first being attracted to his neighbour's Volkswagen, Beetle, when he was 14, when he appeared to be tempted to give the vehicle a gentle caress. I wonder when the last time you splashed out on a new car was, Nathan. (laughs) Any big deposits going down soon, no? No. No. Smith admitted he had difficulties in forming relationships with women and had only ever had one girlfriend in San Francisco in the early 1970s. However, he found the relationship unsatisfying as her body work was in poor shape and her subframe needed rewelding. Edward now has a long-term sex partner that's driving him wild. Van- oh. Yes, Vanilla, another VW Beetle that he bought in 1982. He's obviously been bitten by the bug, hasn't he? Oh, no. <sighs> Smith's obsession of pulling up to the bumper and driving it in between tickles the Brits he has previously appeared in the Daily Mirror, where he fessed up to having sex with thousands of cars. Some guys look at boobs and bums on beautiful women. I look at the front and rear on beautiful cars. A good look at the hood, then, I'm guessing. Oh. <sighs> Smith also admitted in October 2013 that he was occasionally tempted to stray, but added, I know better now than to pursue other people's private property without their permission. I will not deny that I look at other cars on TV or on shows and still get those old impulses and desires. But those were in the early days. Now I want to settle down with vanilla. I wonder if his uh, parents ever caught him with a box set of... Uh, DVDs of Top Gear when he was a kid. Do you think that's possible? I feel sorry for his Matchbox toys. Oh, that would be problematic. I guess the lesson here is to make sure that the exhaust is cooled down first. Did he like the high beams then? Controversial. You're Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Ooh, funky. Bit of disco there, Zach. I have a bad case of oh. diarrhea. I have a bad case of Fantastic. A school bank in Massachusetts will pay you $40 a day for your poo. Really? Yes. How much? $40. $40. Wow. And where, how do we get that to them? <laughs> you can't mail it. You can't mail it. <laughs> You'd be rich. Okay. Well, there's plenty more feces in the sea. Oh, God. Uh, Massachusetts residents can now make a modest living out of their own bodily functions by donating a sample of their poo. An independent nonprofit stool bank called Open Biome 
<laughs> is willing to offer volunteers $40 per deposit, and what's more, it's all for a good cause. He should have chewed that corn more. <clears throat> Ultimately, if you're getting paid to have your blood taken and donate blood, and you're having paid, you know, you're being paid to, uh, you know, make semen samples, and you're now being paid, you know, for your stool samples, then you could make a lot of money just through body fluids, couldn't you? Mm-hmm. I mean, you could make up an entire career of uh, of tugging, crapping, and... You know, leaching blood, I guess. <laughs> wow, who knew? Uh, the stool stamp samples will be used for fecal transplants to fight the deadly superbug C. difficile, which affects more than 500,000 and kills 14,000 Americans per year. So difficile in French means the difficult, or it's very difficult. Okay. I've had some samples like that. Was that after the cheese? Yeah, well, that, 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 that was the opposite of difficult. I mean, that just was, you know, that was a case of trying to make it more difficult. You hear what I'm saying? The opposite of that in many, refer- yeah, many, many, many respects. Yeah. Many, 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 many. many, many, many. many. No, 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 no. <sighs> Good times. If you're wondering about fecal transplants, I wasn't. No, all about it. I wasn't. None of us around this table working. You're barking up the wrong tree. You don't want to know how it's done. I do. Go I on. did look it up. You put it in a lunchbox and send it to them. Tupperware's the way. I tell you what you do. You prise the lid off Pringles, empty the Pringles out, get someone to hold it for you with very steady hands, push it into the Pringles, put the lid on, sellotape it down, and slap a stamp on it. Remove the gerbil first. Am I close? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> the transplant is done with an enema. Really? Yes. Cheese. No, the opposite <laughs> of cheese. An enema. Yes. So basically you're just, it's coming out whether you want to or not. Yes. Okay. Yes. You can't put a stamp on that, and though, it, I'm guessing. Even though we're making fun of it, it's actually uh, been in the health uh, a lot lately. It, and what it is is it's transferring the good bacteria. Ooh. All of the antibiotics that kill off both the good and the bad bacteria. Is this it, is a way of replacing all the good bacteria. Isn't that what they're using to make those poop pills? Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, she, They're making pills from other people's poo-poo? Yes. yes. Well, where can I get these? I must grab a bottle. <laughs> well, it's not the only disgusting thing that is done in the medical world that way. They use, uh, is it horse urine for making hormones? Mellow yellow, I thought, wasn't it? <laughs> Just me. <laughs> There's a lot of different things out there that, yeah. What's a hospice, Dad? About two gallons. Oh, yeah, I am. Um, a horse weeps for a long time, doesn't it? I mean, there's gallons and gallons of that. You're going to have to be, that's going to splash on your hands, isn't it? You'd have to, no? How would you even get that? Would you Would you have to get a mate, occupy it around the front with some you know, straw or some hay and you it around the back, you know, with a watering can or something? How is that even possible? You squeeze its bladder. You're thinking about this way too much. It's got like a bladder button. You're under there and you're squeezing its bladder and, you know, you're watching it wee. That's going to sting the eyes, isn't it? It's very concentrated. (laughs) You don't see horses drinking very often, do you know what I mean? That's going to sting. It's going to be very acidic, isn't it? Do you have another story? Yes, I do, yes. (laughs) Wow. This says lawsuit. Clowns with sex toys. Assorted haunted house patrons. A woman has filed a lawsuit against an Illinois Haunted house after reportedly being assaulted and harassed by two workers dressed as clowns and holding sex toys. I guess it was more than their noses that was red and shiny. The lawsuit filed by Montgomery, Illinois resident Regina Janito says what Janito. Regina Janito. Regina. Gino Ginelli. They make the fabulous ice cream. <laughs> Regina Janito. Doesn't Regina mean uh, king? 
you know, Tyrannosaurus Rex Regina. There's, if you look at British coins, I'm sure that's Latin for king, isn't it? King Janito. Her 17-year-old daughter and three other miners were met in the massacre-haunted house parking lot by two men dressed as clowns and holding sex toys. I'm guessing that's assault on battery. Uh, in fact, three AAA batteries. The Daily Herald reports one employee <laughs> is accused of poking the 17-year-old girl with a sex toy and making oh. lewd... How did you get that black eye, sweetheart? Um, lewd and offensive remarks, while another employee simulated a sex act with the toy. I wonder if that was an inside job. One of the employees <laughs> was eventually arrested and charged with battery and disorderly conduct. They I had charged a, the battery, huh? I had one too many drinks once and lost my diary, and the policeman wanted to charge me with being drunk and disorganised. In a statement issued Tuesday on behalf of the haunted house, the general manager said he takes the allegations seriously and is cooperating with the police. The lawsuit is seeking damages for emotional distress, <laughs> assault and negligence. <sighs> so be warned if you start to clown around in the bedroom. Well, all good things waka waka. come to an end. <laughs> In last place tonight with the K2 meter with the dead battery is Heather. Who would have known? After all of our stories and all of our jokes and japes, you are on zero, which is quite remarkable, to be honest. <laughs> Greg is on three. Nathan, who's not even playing, doesn't read out any stories, sits in the background and adds the laughter track. Got three, quite remarkably, for an extensive knowledge what are you of looking at me for? Beethoven and Latin. I'm on four, and Kim is tonight's resplendent winner and shall receive the $33,000 IR camera for sitting on a nice rounded eight rather than an inflatable giant Christmas tree. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time, and I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee, or you can email me at mqta at rocketmail.com. You can also join us on Twitter, Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips, which is the International Paranormal Society. This is, of course, our Halloween special. I just wanted to mention that all the way through our show tonight, we are in a recording studio. We're all on our own. There's no one else in the building. There's no televisions on. There's no radios on. There's just the five of us sat around a table in the glow of a fabulous collection of recording equipment and sound mixing and desks and our microphones. And all the way through tonight's show, in our headphones, because our microphones are very sensitive and we can hear everything that's going on, you may occasionally hear Greg's stomach rumbling, for example. Um, we've actually been hearing voices all in our headphones during tonight's show. So if you've listened to the show tonight and you heard voices in the background, that was not us. And in fact, Greg left the soundboard several times tonight just to go and have a look and see if there was anyone else in the building and there wasn't so if you heard any ghostly voices tonight do write in and uh, tell me where they are but they weren't anything to do with us it's very strange and very fitting of course for our halloween special my gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Yaton Drainer, Kim and Greg Gore, Nathan and all at the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net. And all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. I will now leave you with the best Halloween song known 
to man. This is Gravedigger by Dave Matthews. Have a happy and creepy Halloween. Remember, stay interested and interesting. Good night. Cyrus Jones, 1810-1913 Made his great-grandchildren believe you could live to 103 103 is forever when you're just a little kid So Cyrus Jones, live forever Grave digger, when you dig my grave Could you make it shallow? So that I can feel the rain Grave digger Muriel Stonewall, 1903 to 1954 She lost both of her babies in the Second Great War Now you should never have to watch Your only children lowered in the ground I mean you should never have to bury your own babies grave digger when you dig my grave could you make it shallow so that I can feel the rain grave digger ring around the rosy Ashes to ashes We all fall down Grave digger When you dig my grave Could you make it shallow So that I can feel the rain Oh, grave digger Carson, 67 to 75, he rode his bike like the devil until the day he died. When he grows up, he wants to be Mr. Vertigo on the flying trapeze. Oh, 1940 to 1992, grave digger. When you dig my grave, could you make it shallow? So that I can feel the rain Grave digger Grave digger